the foundational ideology between the two roles is one is much closer than the other. I mean, a solutions provider is going to be closer to the problem involved in that mutual customer success toward the collective outcome. Welcome to Make Them Famous, the podcast about partner enablement. The only podcast to uncover both how partner teams enable their partners and how other department leaders enable their partner teams to achieve success. All right, welcome back to Make Them Famous, the only podcast where you hear from two sides of the partnership equation, mostly. Sometimes we find one individual expert that knows enough about a subject that we can dive in really deep. That's what today's episode is. I cannot say enough about our guest today, Mr. Barrett King. He's the Senior Manager of Go-To-Market Strategy, Global Partner Ecosystems at HubSpot. Hell of a title there. He joins us to run through how to go to market with solutions partners. We've spent some time on previous episodes. You can refer to the episode with Justin Gracie from HubSpot. If you like this topic, he provides us a little bit different angle on the subject of go to market. But I cannot tell you, the listeners, that we have given you enough on this subject until we hear or have heard from Barrett King. In this episode, we highlight three key areas of partner go-to-market. Number one, inception of a program. Things like how and when you get ready for partnerships, what partnerships are, how can you further develop those partnerships, misconceptions, offense or defense, those kinds of things. Then we get into discovering partners, defining personas, attracting partners, how much of this is on sales versus marketing. And then in the go-to-market motions, enablement is key. So we want to focus on what are bare bones enablement, what matters most to early partners, when and where certificates come in, and what partners need in year two. As usual, before we dive in, there is a brief word from our awesome sponsors. Please take a listen. And we'll see you in a few. Well, we could not make this podcast famous without help from our sponsors. For sponsorship, we looked to three platforms that help you find, activate, enable, and manage your partner program. These three tools may be the only tools that you'll need to effectively run partnership. The tools in question are Reveal for account mapping and running co-selling operations, Partner Stack for scaling a multi-tiered commission-centric program, and Partner Hub for working closely day-to-day with MSPs, managed service providers. Partner Stack probably needs no no introduction, excuse me. They work with top tech companies like Monday.com, Unbounce, Intercom, and Webflow. And it's a company that we recommend when you are ready to scale your commission-centric usually a multi-tiered partner program. Check out partnerships, I'm sorry, partner stack to scale partnerships. Reveal, again, when you're ready to really get into the revenue operation of partnerships, that means that you wanna map accounts, see what the overlap is, see who I'm targeting that you're also targeting, see who I'm targeting that you're not targeting, and come up with a strategy to get those accounts into my pipeline into your pipeline and to build that pie, that bigger and bigger pie together. Oftentimes you'll invite a partner to an account mapping solution 
that has a paywall too early, which is prohibitive for a lot of uh, the target audiences that our partner programs are after, the digital agencies. Uh, if you invite them to reveal, you can trust that they won't hit a paywall. There's 360 account mapping UI in Reveal for free, and it is at reveal.co. Finally, Partner Hub. Again, it's a partner operations platform. Partnerships has a lot going on. Who's doing what at what stage in the partnership are the questions that many of my partner managers ask themselves. Partner Hub is here to solve for what are we doing with partnerships? Who's doing what? Where are our partners? And if we need to find more, are we able to go and shop for more partners? Partner Hub answers all of those questions with yes, and it is free. It's free for top tech companies like Apollo, AudioWise, Smith, Growbots, Recart, Customer.io, and it's free for digital agencies like Hawk Media, Trellis, Aptitude A, Creative Trends. A lot of these tech companies and agencies use Partner Hub to find and align with each other. MSP, Managed Service Provider, Digital Agency, as well as SaaS tech companies. So check it out, partnerhub.app. And again, thank you for listening. I'll let you get back to the show. Welcome to the show. So let's start with who you are and where did you first start partnering? Yeah, I love that. So uh, I'm Barrett King. Right now I'm at HubSpot. I'm responsible for our go-to-market strategy around partner acquisition and onboarding, activation, all the good stuff on the front end as we go up market. But partnerships for me started, I think, you know, we sort of joked before we hit record here, at birth perhaps in some ways. I mean, I, I think when I distill partnerships down to its foundation, it's rooted in interpersonal you know, relationship dynamics and, and connecting with people. And I, if I look at my both personal and professional time spent, it's always been about connecting with others. We talk about professionally, you know, I when I graduated college, uh, as many folks did in 2008, when the world was sort of figuring out what to do economically, I, I found my way into a, an alternate career and that was restaurants. And I was running hospitality for a, a restaurant group up here. And so that meant, you know, hosting in the restaurant that meant, you know, managing some people, but most importantly, it meant connecting with businesses in the area to bring in their corporate events, to bring in, you know, their, their team meetings, basically, you know, at the time, what I believed to be just hospitality development, whatever you would have called it really was partnership development. And so I would say at its sort of, um, you know, birth, its ethos, it was then, but in, in terms of a, like a proper format, I think HubSpot really gave me the framing for what partnership meant. My, the company I was at before HubSpot, the startup that, um, did something completely different, quite frankly, was acquired. And I had a buddy here at HubSpot who was just like, you know, screaming from the rooftops. It's a great place. You're going to do it. Come check it out. And I didn't want to be at a company that was that big. You know, we were 500 people then, now we're 8,000. But the point is that I I walked in the door and had a fortunate audience with a guy named Brad Coffey, who was our head of corporate strategy at the time. And, you know, long story short, I remember him sitting across from me in our atrium. We were talking about HubSpot and opportunities and whatnot. And he just looked over at me and said, you know, we have this team that that helps companies grow better. I was like, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, we, we partner with organizations, marketing agencies in particular at the time. And, you know, we help them to use our software to help their companies help their customers grow and sort of like vicariously through that, you know, they themselves grow. It's just like a total lightning strike moment for me, Alex, where I just went, oh, crap, man, I got to be a part of this. Like, this is cool. You know, companies helping companies and this idea of, of being entrepreneurial, but doing it in a bigger format. It was just sort of the 
uh, maybe like the the first hit, if you will, of the drug of of partnerships. And I couldn't look back. I'm I'm addicted for sure. I love the idea of helping others, and that's sort of where it began for me. Yeah, and you've got uh, podcasts on the subject now. I do yeah, partnerships and SaaS. It's um it's early. I mean, in terms of its inception, but you know, I frankly I, I've been around partnerships for most of the last call it ten years of my career, give or take. Mm-hmm. And um you know, in that timeline. I have met some incredible people, yourself included, smart people, people that are doing really good work. And the the long and short of it is I took on this opportunity to go and, and lead the go-to-market strategy here and learn from even smarter folks. And in doing so, I started asking questions of my peers, frankly, through LinkedIn, like you just shared. And when I was doing that, I realized like I had this moment where I just said, yeah, man, I'm, I'm talking to great people that are giving me great feedback. I want to share that. So I do. Yeah. It's called Partnerships and SaaS. You can find it on all platforms on YouTube, everywhere else. And I just talked to really smart folks across the you know the industry variety of experiences and backgrounds and roles, but gather information, learn, and then, you know, to my own benefit, get better at my job, but to hopefully everyone else's, they learn a little bit too. It's cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Congrats on that. Um, and today we're going to focus on um, four areas of partner program growth uh, from inception to discovery to enablement, and then a little look into what it's like being a part of a scaled program some things that our listeners may want to know about that. So our listeners are all over the map. Um, They are sometimes CEOs trying to figure out if partnerships is the right path for them and their company uh, to sales leaders, uh, marketing leaders, and of course, partnership leaders that just want to hear from, you know, the horse's mouth, so to speak of what, what should we know about partnerships? Um, so anyway, so you're the perfect type of person to bring in. We, we love talking hub spotters, um, always great insight being a part of that program. So let's start with, uh, what partnerships are for an organization and what are founders and the first, you know, Hey, go start a partner program. Here's your title, whatever it is, a person in the organization should know before they kind of get started on the inception phase qualifying yourself for partnership could be a better yeah way. yeah i think that's actually it's a good word to use in terms of qualifying you know early on and i love the way you described it there are so many companies in particular in SaaS, that just say like here's a title you know you are senior chief ninja director of all things partner you know and that person's like cool great now what right what do i do from there and i think at its foundation the first questions that i like to ask when i advise companies when friends ask me or otherwise it always goes back to really simply, are partners going to become our go-to-market strategy or are they part of something we're already doing? Are they part of our go-to-market strategy? And I think you know, what you see most common in those two modalities is that you know, if they're going to become our go-to-market strategy, as you see a lot of orgs right now leaning into the idea of you know, partner-led growth and this evolution of partners as a growth mechanism in general, I think what, what comes up most common and what I would go back to is that core question in terms of like, are we using partners because they already have trust in the market? They've got validation. You know, they are perhaps selling to a core audience we want to tap into or are already obviously engaged with and want to scale our opportunity with, or are they simply someone who can augment the work that we're doing, right? So like, if you go back to the early, um, since we're talking about HubSpot before, I'll, I'll use our example here. Like there was this brilliant guy, his name's Pete. Um, for those of you that know him, I won't use his last name, but uh, smart guy. And what Pete did is he observed that some of our most successful customers, the ones that were sticking around that were using our product most deeply, were working with marketing agencies. He did that through listening and observing and asking questions. And so 
you know, what I would offer to anyone who's thinking about starting a program is before you think about starting a program, observe where the value is being delivered. Are there businesses that are helping your customers to get more from your product or services? Are there businesses that are, you know, already in the market you want to tap into, whether that's regional or from a product perspective or otherwise? And so when I think about that idea of partners are, you know, our entire, if you will, but a majority of our go-to-market, they needed to to check a lot of those boxes. They need to be something that helps our customer get more value. They need to make us better together. They need to be very um you know, value add in that sense. Obviously the other can be true, which is like, we do something really well. It works. We're happy with it, but we find that if we work with another organization, this might be like your more traditional, you know, integration partner, app partner, um, or even like, you know, a co-sales motion, co-servicing motion. Those folks should also be sort of more of a double click on this idea of better together, more of a double click on this idea of your customers get more value and they win by bringing in whatever that other business is plus your own. So, you know, if I were to distill it down, like I think the things that stand out to me when you're at inception at the earlier kind of ethos, the beginning of this journey is to understand what you're trying to drive towards. Like, are you, are you like a lot of orgs that say, I just want to generate more revenue? Like, cool. All right. That, that's fair. There's a lot of partner programs that, that grew and grow off of that. Is it about helping my customer to stick around longer, get more value. So it's all right. So it's servicing motion. Like we got to get better at how we co-service on our product or deliver additional, you know, insert something here. Um, or is it, you know, the the output of that, which is like, yes, we might sell more and yes, we might service better, but by working with this organization in whatever capacity, whether that's again, you know, a, a value added reseller or an SI or an integration partner, otherwise that just our customers get a better outcome. Like they have a better result because if you can nail it down to that, that's that that moment where hopefully you as a partner leader or someone who's been tasked with developing partner start to realize that like that's what you should be doing. That's where you should be spending your time, that you're you're adding value to the customer at the end of the day. Oh, I love that explanation. So a lot lots of gold in there, but I think where we want to focus this and where we want to ha- uh, take this episode to is the growth of the program and kind of being in those shoes of of what it is really like, uh, being in that fast-tracked hey, we've got something going here. We want to pour gas on the fire. And you know, living in that world is always fun to live in. How do we get there? And some of the things that we need to know once we're there. So the next question that we have on deck, what partnerships are for your organization? And how can you kind of create a persona around what that is? And maybe we start with some of the types that you guys have kind of gone through and checked the boxes for. And how do we go and capture that audience with whatever we have at our disposal. Yeah, it's interesting. So I uh, at HubSpot, we've got a real variety of partner types, I would argue. You know, we've evolved from a core of a marketing agency, and we have hundreds, if not thousands of them still that deliver great value to our customers or really just at the foundation of our partner program. We've grown to include, you know, app partners, folks that build other solutions that connect to HubSpot that deliver value to our customer. We've got provider level. Those are folks that are Typically, you know, smaller in terms of their maybe a consultancy or some sort of a go-to-market advisor. Not always, but tend to be those folks that are not looking to take on, you know, all of the you know more involved, if you will, larger service sets. They're looking to sell a software and do some implementation and such. So, kind of tiers in that sense. You know, we've got large strategic partners, folks that we work with, you know, at the the global level across you know larger platforms, like you'd expect with you know Meta and Microsoft and and LinkedIn and others that. Um, you know, are a part of our product or a part of our team's value to to the market. So for HubSpot, partnerships is interesting because it's 
it's diverse. It's spread out across a variety of different capacities in terms of how those functions actually come together. But at its core, you know, it's probably why I, I said what I did to your previous question around, you know, better together and delivering collective value. What we've done a really good job of, I would say, and, and I would say I personally I'm proud of this, is we've been intentional around not just saying that the partner delivers value to us or to the customer, but what can we deliver in return? And I think I shared obviously that when I joined HubSpot, I joined because someone smarter than me said, you know, we're here to help companies help their customers grow. And through that, grow their own organizations. And I just subscribe wholeheartedly to this idea that the partnerships that we've developed here have really stayed true to that mission of growing better together. And it's been a good journey. If you're early on and you're at a stage where um, you've got product in market, you've got product market fit, you are starting to see solutions providers, agencies, service providers, building services on top of your solution. And I think I did have this conversation with Pete. He's He's fine if you say his last name. He's starting to do more PR, personal PR. Uh, but <laughs> Pete Caputa, so you're referencing. But I think I did have this conversation where it's like you start noticing what's happening around your product. And I think it's super important at this junction to really have the honest conversation of do we have affiliates or do we have solutions partners? So I want to hear, I, you know, you're shaking your head. I think, I think, you know, my definition of this and where I'm headed with this, but I want to hear yours. So like before you even enter this go-to-market function, it's really a matter of like, are we just trying to activate more affiliates or are we trying to enable and support solutions partners? So I want to hear your opinion on that. I'm always interested in, in how other people think about this. Yeah, I have, I have opinions for sure. <laughs> you know, the thing I think that is most inaccurately described is, I mean, those two words you're using, affiliate and solutions partner, that folks assume that they're the same thing and they're not. So fundamentally, foundationally for me, an affiliate is somebody that you know, sells your, your product, your service, and does so because they make some commission or it helps you know, in their own kind of growth of their business or whatever it is, right? When I look at a solutions partner, they're an aligned part of your business. So the core difference here for me is that the foundational ideology between the two roles is one is much closer than the other. So if I think about an SP, the providers are, they're there because they deliver more value to your customer. They're there because, and I'm sure Pete said this um, since we're talking about them, like the early HubSpot years, the reason that we figured it out wasn't just his observation, but we could see it in the data. Like if you're a student of your business and you're a sales leader or a partner leader that's now being tasked with figuring out a partner motion, look at the data. You know, look at what is happening in terms of the way that you actually add value to your customer, sure. But then look at the metrics in terms of how they impact you. Do they stick around? Do they renew? Do they buy more of your product? Do they expand in their engagement with you? And if you could look at that process and those inflection points, nine times out of 10, Alex, I, I'd be shocked if that was anything other than an SP. I mean, a solutions provider is going to be closer to the problem involved in that mutual customer success. So in terms of the sort of response there, I think, you know, if I were to distill it down, I would expect to see that more organizations are going to engage in a bimodal strategy. You need to have both. I think that they both serve a purpose, but it's reflective of where you're at in your journey. And I would expect it earlier on, like we're talking about in terms of where you know, our conversation has progressed to. Earlier on, you want more partnerships, solutions providers, people that are working alongside you because they are you know, going to be closer to your problem, closer to your customer. They can give you feedback. They can help you grow. Wherein the, you know, the other end of the spectrum might be a little bit further off and that's equally valuable. Again, with that earlier statement I made in terms of, are they your entire go-to-market or are they a part 
of a bigger strategy that, that incorporates that in the way that you go and, and scale better, grow better, et cetera. That's perfect. That's perfect. I'm going to add that uh, to our discussion here. It wasn't in there before. Sure. A little bit of a curveball, but um, it's important to understand because uh, the conversation that I get, uh, you don't probably hear this from other founders. Maybe you you do from your advisory companies that you're working with. They come to me with, uh, you know, Alex, we want affiliates and um, we know that they want to get paid. And then how do we pay them? And uh, and then, well, we've got all this stuff plugged in and in place. And now how do we go and find more affiliates? Uh, and is it just being in different marketplaces and being a parent or what, what is it? Is it go to market motion? And then how do you do that? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, back up a second. When you say affiliate, who do you mean? And then they describe what I would consider a digital agency. And then they get in this kind of a mental sort of juggling match where it's like, they think it's as simple as agency wants to sell our product already, which is incorrect. And they just need us to pay them in some way. And then I just need to find more agencies. But in reality, what they really need to think about is you need to find people that want to build a business on top of your product, meaning service revenue. They see the light at the end of the tunnel. And all you have to do is make them feel like you've got them, like you're supporting them. And they can trust that you'll help them to the end of the tunnel. And if you can do that, you've got yourself a solutions partner program, and then it'll build over time. It'll become more stable, but that's kind of where it's at. Then you can start to go to market. If you're in that mental stage of affiliate and you think you're defining an affiliate in your head, I think you're already down the wrong hole, essentially. Well, yeah, it's half of the equation. I want them to sell more for me. Okay, cool. What do you do for them? And I think that that's the misconception to your point around the idea that, and maybe again, maybe I'm altruistic in this sense, and I perhaps subscribe to the idea that partnerships should be a two-way street. Partnerships as a term should mean that we're going to help each other. But fundamentally, in particular, when it comes to agency partners, I mean, that's that's where most of my career has been spent professionally. When you talk to an agency partner, like they're not looking to just go sell some software. Nine times out of 10, they're using it to deliver value to their customer and they find you because their customers are asking for you or the solution you provide. And so to your point in terms of supporting it, I think what's most important is that the customer dictates how you work with these other businesses. Do they just want to buy through somebody? And I'm not knocking it to be clear, like affiliates are great. You know, SIs that are super involved are also great, right? The idea of just a strategic reseller or distributor in market is equally valuable. And each of them has a different lever you can pull for your business. What's your customer need? That's the question you got to ask first. And if you figure that out, you're on the right track. Yeah. And I wanted to mention that because on this pod in general, we talk to the latter of if you really want to find and enable the solutions partners, the people that you're actually going to know and be uh, supporting through this program, that's what we call partnerships. Uh, the term affiliate can apply to a company that just lists your product in a marketplace. It could apply to a YouTuber that has a link for your product in the description. <laughs> and that YouTuber may never actively talk to your customers, uh, help retain your customers, provide services to your customers. They're just seeing a little tiny bit of extra value that they could add to that ranking YouTube video by putting an affiliate link there. And they want to go sign up for that. So that is a totally different channel. It, tons of value there, but going to market with solutions partners. So let's get into that 
conversation here. So maybe talk towards one of the go-to markets that you are a part of recently. HubSpot has a bunch in the last five years, go-to markets around their products. Let's like operations hub. I think you and I talked about once or twice, but pull on some examples there and let's talk about how do you define the persona for that go-to market? Who do you involve in the go-to market pre and post? And what are some of the things that you have to prepare for and introduce as if that was your entire go-to-market? But with HubSpot, obviously, it's just one product, but it's still perfect uh, for this type of discussion. So what are some of the things that you have to think about, define, and prepare for in that go-to-market? Yeah, I mean, I think you can keep it really simple in the beginning and look at what is it that you're delivering? If we think about software, for example, HubSpot aside, I mean, any software firm, if you think about software as a vehicle for delivering value. Let's say the mechanism, keeping it simple, because everyone understands this is email. Like email straight, everyone knows how to email that would listen to this you know, podcast. So let's go with that. So you're a provider of some sort of an email solution. You could say, I want to look for businesses that sell email as a service. I want to look for businesses that service email as a service. I want to look for businesses that help people that are already using email fix their service. And there's probably 20 or 30 other variations of that. So it's the observations first that are really important. From spot, when we go to market with a product, I can't speak for the entire company. I'm by no means paid that well. But I think fundamentally in my experience and from my perspective, having been on both sides as a seller and partner manager, and now obviously making some of the strategic decisions, you know, I think what we look at, what most organizations should look at is that value piece first. What are we trying to get to? Like, why are we going to work with another organization alongside our own team's efforts to take something into the market with the idea being that it's greater penetration, it's better retention? What is the outcome goal that we're looking for? The second part of it that I think is important once you define the core kind of goal behind it, the, the direction you're headed in, is as I mentioned before, who and what type of organization can actually do the work that we're looking for? Is it gap work? Like, do you have, you know, maybe you don't have enough sellers. Okay. That's obviously like a resale motion. Maybe you don't have enough servicing folks. Maybe it's an onboarding challenge. I hear that a lot. I talked to a lot of early SaaS companies. They're like, well, man, I want to scale faster. I'm like, okay, cool. And I want to hire people. Okay, cool. You want to disconnect, create some nonlinear growth and think about not using headcount to pull all those levers. That all makes sense to me, but there's a, there's a give get there. So let's say that we define partners as a part of that. That's okay, but we still have to treat them in some ways like they're a part of organization in the sense that we should have been enabling them, incentivizing them, driving them, directing them, right? All of that takes thought and intent and planning. So strategy is one part of it. Strategy is, I think in many ways, the the fun, sexy part of you know GTM. I think the the actual part uh, that, that gets overlooked is the planning piece and the implementation, obviously. And so if you think about just like real quick story, if you will, you know, let's say, um, well, actually I'll, I'll give you a real world example. So at HubSpot, I don't know what this is now, like maybe six plus years ago, seven years ago, I'm a CAM channel account manager. I'm managing some some great partners, really smart people. And you know, HubSpot's going to release their sales hub. And like our partners know, we've we've educated them. That's part of it, right? Make sure they're aware of it. We've enabled them. We've given them some tools, some training, helped them build some packaging around it, some pricing, like really helped them, you know, take what was a product that they had never used before and and master it in many occasions and get ready to go. And we launch our our, you know, at, at, I think it was an inbound that year. We launched the product and and it's received really well, right? And so it's received well because our partners are alongside us and they're also talking about how great the solution is. And they're also ready to tell stories of how they've used it in the beta and they've been a part of that early process. And so, you know, enablement is not just, and, and preparedness, if you will, is not just this idea that we're going to work with these folks to go and do something, but we're going to do it in tandem and lockstep and in partnership, a true sense of the word 
toward the collective outcome. So, you know, identify who they are, do a lot of planning and the execution piece, again, equally valuable in terms of, you know, now my partners are selling it. I'm ready to sell it because I work at the business that, that built the product. I made sure my partners are ready to sell it. They're ready to service it. They've got pricing associated with it. You know, all of that uh, footwork, the kind of um, boots in the ground effort is the part that I think most organizations, if we go back to the previous question of like, what do you do early on? It's fun and sexy and kind of cool to say, I'm going to build a partner program. It's hard and challenging. And it's where the real work begins when you think about delivering on that. And so ultimately, when I think about that piece of it to sort of land the plane in the statement, you know, for me, where I think you see the greatest outcomes are wrapped around this idea that if your business is already doing parts of these things well, like maybe you market really well or you sell really well or whatever it is, bring those skills to your partners. You know, we had uh, a team for the longest time that had a sales boot camp, right? The Lions boot camp. It was huge. It still is huge. And it was a big part of what we did in terms of helping our partners to sell better together with us, alongside us, but also as an independent organization. And so what you know kind of again really distills down to to make sure I, I synthesize this is the idea that you know, building a product and taking it to market is important, but looking at the other like businesses that support you in that that effort and that mechanism are equally valuable. And then obviously how you actually use that information is um, sort of what helps you stand the test of time or doesn't, right? Like if you do a good job helping your partners to master the art of your product and your service and they work with you, you nailed it. And if you go and just say like, hey, here's some more stuff for you to sell, really miss the mark and you don't obviously see the fruits of your labor. I love it. I love it. Um, and you were referring to operations hub. So, so let's talk about a go-to-market that's uh, relevant. It could be that, but um, you're preparing for this or six months out from this go-to-market. Call it uh, a product has a big integration coming and um, they need to obviously support that integration. Their customer success team knows a little bit. But what they really need are solutions partners uh, during that go-to-market so that when it comes live, they can ensure ROI from the work that was put in on the integration. That's a typical one. That's that's almost all SaaS out there. So I've got a big integration with HubSpot coming out. I need to dip into HubSpot's partners and I need to figure out who should I work with, how should I work with them, what they typically want out of something like this. And um, I, of course, need to track and report on anything relevant there. So the first step is who should I go after and what makes a good solutions partner for a go-to-market? This is a different type of persona than I think you would look at it. Just I need to scale the program. I need people to be building services. This is a person that probably needs what? Their sales operations. They need probably a decent brand in themselves. I mean, what do you look at when you're picking a handful of go-to-market partners to release a big integration or a big build of some sort? I think there's a um, a couple levers on it, right? So like the first obviously is looking at what are they actually capable of, right? And I'm not sure that every organization is going to measure that the same way, but I would look at their business's sophistication as a good example, a good representation of what that means. I always lean back on this idea of build, grow, scale. Anyone that knows me through HubSpot or otherwise, I talk about this a lot, probably too much some days, but it's it helped me in my my uh, my own career thinking about the ideology, the, the sort of like the stage at which your business is about to do something. So if you're early in your business's development of an integration, you probably need a more sophisticated partner. You probably need somebody who either has done something similar or along the same lines to that point, um, or perhaps you know been a part of another launch with you. 
you're probably building your go-to-market strategy at that point. You're building the way in which you would work with these businesses. So you want somebody who's a little bit more of a, a technology native, right? Somebody who's done, again, work like this before, or perhaps a, a like or similar business model. When I think about the growth stage, you know, your business has evolved a little bit. The integrations that you're asking for are perhaps a bit less complex, a little bit more plug and play, but still obviously requires a human element to, to do that, you know, that actual work. You know, at that point, you're growing your opportunity sets. So you're not working with like two or three, like I talked about at the build stage where it's foundational. They might even be like actual technical partners working alongside you. At the growth stage, now you're looking for like 10 or 20. These businesses are you know, already bought in on co-selling. They're already doing perhaps work similar to this. You've done some early homework yourself by working alongside them and saying, here's what we're bringing to market. You know, Here's how we're going about it. How do we get you on board? And I think you identify those folks as, again, your early adopters, similar to the build stage, but perhaps a little bit less technical, a little bit less um, of the, like, uh, we've been there, we've done that, a little bit more in terms of the exploratory, like, sure, we're, we're happy to go and work alongside you, you know, HubSpot or whoever it is right at this point. And then the last lever that I think is probably the most interesting is the scale stage where you've already built out a programmatic approach to delivering new integrations to market. You've worked through these types of partners in the past. And then you start to get into those things like certifications and accreditations and those very specific yet bit more broad strokes in the sense of like, it's a core set of skills. We're going to test you on it. We're going to certify you. We want to make sure you can do it, but I'm not going to limit this as much. You know, if we're going to, I don't know, like let's say tomorrow we decide to integrate with Salesforce for the first time. We have an integration already, so it's irrelevant. But the point being, you know, at our size and their size, we would want a huge amount of partners that could do that work. We would certify them. We would give them some sort of an accreditation. And that's what we did with the operations hub to, to your example earlier. We knew that our customers had been asking for and looking at uh, data kind of fabric overlays, ways to better visualize and manage data sets and, and you know automate that work. And there's a bunch of other kind of mechanisms that we could pull with that. We knew we were going to bring it to our customers and say like, look, this is going to help you to better report, better understand, make better decisions. So it's going to improve your business. We also knew that because of the way it was established, that you know a large part of our customer base would benefit from working with individuals, organizations that already knew how to do that work. So for us, it was certification, it was enablement, and then certainly um, you know the, the same format for our inside team. And so that'd be my argument. Like if you're you're the company that's looking to partner with a larger SaaS provider, you know a Salesforce, HubSpot, Marketo, whoever it is, and you're saying, how do I identify my way in? Like deliver value to the customers first and build groundswell. You'll get attention that way. If the other is true, you're already an organization that's going to market with a new product or a new service offering. Look for those folks that are building that groundswell, like I described, and they're going to be your best, your kind of uh, early adopters where the technology native label comes into play. I love it. Okay. So I have a bunch of stuff to get to here and we don't have much time. So we're going to do a little bit more rapid fire type questions. Um, uh, first one is um, how much of, of the discovery and the go-to-market prep and execution is on your sales team and how much is on your marketing team? If it was a pie chart of partnerships, sales, and marketing, who's responsible for what percentage of the go-to-market? What would you say? Is Partnership, sales, and marketing. Let's make a pie chart in the sky here. So we've got out of 100%, you know, you'd want to assume like 33% or whatever a piece. So it's even, it's not even, like we know that, right? There's, there's no way it is. Yeah. I, I would say like Reality. it's probably, Who's yeah, doing? it's... it's um. 
It's probably something like, you know, if partner incorporates enablement in terms of it being like a partner ops team or whatever, mm -hmm. I might say that you'd see sales at like probably 15%. You know, they should be educating. They should be uh, directive in some ways, delivering value, but like they shouldn't be at inception. I'd say marketing is like the vessel to deliver a lot of this work. And so maybe marketing is like another 30. So we got like 45%, something like that. I think the partner team, if that's inclusive of ops and enablement, and there's a bunch of folks in that capacity, they're probably your like 50, 55% because they should know your partners better. Marketing should be able to deliver the message best and sales should be able to reinforce it. Got it. Yeah. That's always a tough one. It's like, how much do I bring to my marketing team and say, no, this is your job. This, I mean, I shouldn't be the one packaging up this over here, developing these assets. Yeah. Okay. Enablement. Let's talk about enablement. So what's yeah. bare bones, partner enablement, first 20 partners, brand new program. What is the minimum I need to enable my first 20 partners? Product pricing and marketing messaging. Like if it were me, order of operations, understand the product to some extent. And I think that's very determinant on how complex your product is and your, your obviously your market, but you need something. You got to understand how that product works. So, you know, product and then I think it's probably messaging. And I would maybe even keep it simple and say it's that because, you know, early on, it, you want to have a measure of control. It's a, for some folks, it's obviously hard to let go of that control, but you want to have a measure of control over what your customers are actually saying, excuse me, your partners are saying to your customers. And so that's how I distill it down in terms of like, you know, here's a campaign in a box. Here's like a email in a box, like the kind of like very simple stuff you can give them to make them effective. And that's what I would, I would make this hopefully as kind of the punctuation mark on this sentence. It's about efficacy. It's about like time to value, quick value. So I would double click on and lean into the ideology of whatever we can do that's simple, but delivers quick time to value for our customer. That's super helpful. Yeah. And I think uh, people put too much, not too much thought into this, but I do think there's a level of kind of scope creep with the first 20 partners where they oh, sure. think they need a PRM and they think they need a training and cert certification program and a community. And you're like, how many partners do you have? What are you trying to support here? Yeah, you it's got 20. 20 people, man. Just get in a Slack channel and just, just answer their questions. Those questions come in. Just be there. And let your product speak for itself. I mean, I don't think anyone with a crappy product should even be thinking about a partner program. Um, yeah, so you iron that out first. I agree. You get a document. That'd be my biggest bit of advice to anyone starting a program. Document the heck out of everything. Write it down. Put a Google Doc together. Have a partner send you a Google Doc. Like just, I mean, I'll say Google Doc again because we can say it three times fast. You just got to get it written down somewhere because you're going to hire somebody else. Like if this thing works, Someone will get hired if you can hand them, even if it's a stack of Google Docs and you're like, I don't know what's in here, but it's everything that I've talked to partners about for the last 18 months. It's going to give them a place to work from. Then to your point, you can hire, there you go, all the other folks. It's great. This is a partner memorandum. I think back to the minimum. So you don't need to yep. order a bunch of budget. You're getting 20 partners. You want to go to market with those 20 just to figure out if you should have a program. So a partner memorandum is something that we always advise. I'll link to the template, but it's essentially a document that outlines what are we doing together? What is the true nature of our partnership? And it's not, you're going to sell my software and I'm going to pay you to do it. No, it's we're, we're going to market to get more of this type of customer into both of our pipelines. This is your point of contact. This is the co-marketing that we're going to use to further this go-to-market. These are the target personas that we're going after. Are you planning to get a credential? If so, here are the dates that uh, I plan to get those. 
Um, are we going to co-sell together during this go-to-market? If so, which platform? There's like a dozen out there that, that we're going to use. Is there a Slack channel? Am I in your Slack channel and that's where we communicate? Or are you in mine? These are things that you should outline early on. So I think that I would say is my minimum. After product is there, after you have some level of sales operation, I'd say have a memorandum that says, what are we doing together? Get then your guardrails. Your guardrails. Exactly. Yep. You can refer back to it. Meet once a quarter at the minimum to say, are we sticking to the memorandum? Did I do what I promised you? Did you do what you promised me? And if if you do that, honestly, I'd say that is what you could use to build. I've seen larger programs that sit on top of nothing but, hey, we we work closely with our partners and they come to us when they need us. Okay. So let's talk about certifications. And then I want to end on what year two through five would look like. So yep. certifications, you touched on it a little bit, but when do I need to add a certification to my solution partner program? And when do I not need to? I mean, you don't need to start there. Like, I, cause you don't know, what's that expression? You don't know what you don't know or whatever. I mean, I, I think you're at inception. One of the core things to do is, is the work, like just do the work, sell some stuff, service some stuff, integrate some stuff, like just fall down, pick yourself back up and keep going. It's an entrepreneurial mindset and it should be as such. I think understanding, you know, when you start to see economy of scale, I've got enough people that are doing the work. I don't know what that is. It's going to vary by organization, but there's enough people that are doing the work and you start to think about standardization, consistency, quality over time. That's where you start to really lean into this idea of certifications and accreditations and, and things of that nature. I'd be intentional about not dedicating massive amounts of resources to it, but just thinking about it in terms of if I use this framework, I will get a more consistent outcome. When is that? Probably when you hit critical mass in terms of, you know, it's your first 10, 15, 20 partners, 30 partners, whatever that might be. You've got, you know, product market fit with them. They are using your service or selling it or whatever your goal was. They're doing it consistently. I'd have a goal around that, a target around that or new products or new offerings and such, that's where those certifications become more valuable. Unless you're talking about category creation, HubSpot's ideology of we are going to be an inbound firm and create this idea of inbound marketing. That's different. Now you're talking about education. Education certifications are valuable. And again, I go back to, if you're already teaching, you know, I at the bit, like at the risk of standing on a soapbox and kind of like preaching too much, I'm going to say this. There are a lot of companies that I've talked to in my almost eight years at HubSpot that have said, but you know, HubSpot was different because you already had it done. We didn't have anything done. We just did it as we went. Every organization kind of goes as they go, right? Yes, as you get bigger, you've got more people, more headcounts, so you can plan ahead and you get ahead of that bow wave, if you will. But I remember hearing, I don't know who it was, somebody here early on say to me, it doesn't need to be as complex as everyone makes it out to be. So that would be my, my sort of bit of advice. Like, keep it simple. If your team is being trained on it, Give the same training to your partners. Don't make it a, you know, a, a new version of it and redo it. And like, I get that there's certain places and times for those things, but generally speaking, whatever you're helping your team members do better with, give it to your partners too. And everyone will, you know, lock step and, and keep moving. I love it. Okay. So um certifications. Uh is your product right for certifications? Check that box. Um, meaning what type of certification? Are you certifying them on the product itself? Are you doing what HubSpot did where you're certifying them on inbound marketing XYZ or sales XYZ, right? So there's two different types there. That's super important. Remove your ego from this equation if you're the founder, but really think about like, do companies want to become known as an expert in your product? And for 99% of the SaaS out there, that's a no. 
for those of us like HubSpot that have a platform and a number of moving parts that do take a lot of time and energy to get good at. That's it. But I do like the idea of marketing, put this on marketing, creating a certification in something that your tech enables. Drift did this with really well with their conversational, I forget what it was called. Yeah, but the conversational yeah. marketing tool. Yeah. They're um yeah. they're chatbot. Yep. Yeah, they they have a they have a certification in conversational marketing, I think. Yeah, something like that. I think that's smart. Doing doing that type of certification first as your platform becomes bigger and you have more integrations rolling out a certification in your platform would make sense, but not until you're you're big enough to make that a need, I would say. Okay, now we're moving into year two, let's say, of the program. So I thankfully hit all my KPIs and we've got budget. And we're, we're really going to market with a real program now. I spent a year managing 20-ish partners, working closely with them, developing some assets, even if it's just Google Docs and maybe some white label stuff with them. And we have a couple of case studies and we think we can make this into a viable partner program. What are some of the things you advise companies to think about and prepare for when they're going to market with an actual partner program? I would say does not need to be as complex as everyone wants it to be in the beginning uh, and even in the middle. And I'm not even sure at the end, quite frankly, I think you've get more layers of the, of the onion, if you will, in that sense, as you grow, but uh, you know, at its um, infancy, as it grows into, you know, a teenager, if you will, in that sense, and, and moves maybe into college, I think there's some things that are just top of mind. You know, you've got, you've got more reach, you've got more people. So there's more moving parts much like scaling a sales organization, you want to think about the headcount dependencies. You want to think about resource dependencies, the stuff that naturally you'd want to consider, whether it's sales or CS, the way that you scale those orgs as well. Partner's not that different. The thing to understand would be, Tam, how big is your market? How much of that market are you penetrating now and need to obviously tap into? Do you do this in one region? Do you do it globally? Do you break it down by geo, sub-geo? Those are all very important questions to ask. You know, I'm a maybe perhaps a bit of a, a proponent, if you will, but a, certainly a firm believer and the idea of that entrepreneurial mindset, fail early, fail often. Um, I think it was David Cancel actually from Drift to bring it back to him that said, do unscalable things early. I heard that quote one time, which I found really brilliant. And it, it echoes in the way that you should think about partner. Like if you have a, an organization that wants to work with you, but they want to meet you on site, it's going to cost you 2000 bucks to fly out and have a dinner and do the hotel and the whole kind of you know dog and pony show, do it. Like if you can spring for it, do it. And do it now because you're not going to do it in three years when you've got you know 800 partners and they're much more demanding. But those early relationships, that's where you're buying human capital. That's where you're really investing in relationship capital that you're going to call on later. So I would focus on you know lots of conversations, staying close to the problem, staying very much involved, especially as the leader with what the frontline teams are experiencing. Other side of the coin in terms of planning, I would look at you know productivity by partner. I would look at uh, building an LTV to CAC problem early on. So you understand the value of a partner, not just in terms of productivity, but what it costs to get them in their payback period. And I would build a super rudimentary, but intentional spreadsheet around all this data, <laughs> excuse me. And I would measure it every single month. And I'd stay on top of it. I'd want to be intentional around making sure that for every partner we bring on, we get a measure of productivity and that we have an NPS and we know if we're delivering value back to them. And when we look at the intersection between partner and customer, all of that the measurement, the data, the framing of the actual program, that comes in in that two and three and four year period where you now have partners that have said yes, 
They are co-selling and co-servicing. And what you can double click on is the idea of now that we know that it can work, how do we make it programmatic? So you always hear about like people uh, process and product. I think that's the, the three Ps. You did the people thing early on. For me, the next part is process. Build your process. What does it mean to acquire a partner? How do we find them? Then how do we work with them? How do we make them successful? How do we measure it? You do all that work now. So we get to the later stages of it and you think about scalability, that's just a headcount opportunity. How do I add more people and then scale in terms of building supporting services around it? Ooh, I love it. I love it. I think we're going to end there. We've got three minutes left, but just to recap for everybody, uh, when you're inceptualizing your partner program, make sure you're considering the definition of what you're really truly trying to enable. Define that very specifically find those very key, almost individuals at those solution partner companies that are willing to go down this track with you, define and um, organize, create an organizational document for what it is you're doing with that specific partner. It's not a blanket. I have an incentive structure and you're doing this for those incentives. It's one-to-one. You have a need that you think I can help you with and I want to help you with that specific need that the next person isn't going to have. And uh, we're working on that together. Um, and then you're going to market with each other. You guys are rolling out these uh, products and solutions and platforms, and you're really making partnerships happen for the first year. Uh, you are tracking and keeping an eye on all of the key performance indicators that you believe are necessary to hit on. You've proven that concept, then you're ready to go to market in year two with that program. And then it's like um, building a sales organization and you're hiring a salesperson. They need education. They need to be put on to a system that ends with mutual revenue and held accountable, just like any other person in your organization, but they're supported and they fully buy into the vision and everybody's on the same page. Uh, that's that. Any further Words of wisdom from you, Barrett, that we didn't get to. <laughs> uh, I mean, you and I could probably talk all day. No, I, this was fun. I, I think, you know, what I would offer as a parting thought is that if you're considering and or about to start or have started a partner program, keep it simple. Be honest with yourself. Focus on your customer as the output of why you're doing this. More than anything else, you know, if I were to to wrap this thing up with a bow, I'd say investing in your customer first, building your better together stories with your partners with the intent of helping your customer to grow better, your customer to see more value, that'll always help you come out on top. Love it, man. Take care for now. We're right at time. We will see you on the interwebs, man. Congrats on the podcast and everything else. Thanks, Alex.